Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How's it going, folks? Welcome back to the No Huddle Show podcast. I'm your host, Eagles beat reporter Mike K. I'm joined by my fellow NJ Advanced Media beat writer, uh, Chris Franklin. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Uh, we're we're getting very close. Ten days now, going to the start of the NFL season. I mean, who would have thought this time would actually fly by? So the fact that we're actually are ready to talk about Week One against Washington now is it's really crazy how how fast this time is going by but it's really exciting as well too to get back to some normalcy yeah you know I I think what's interesting about this whole season is obviously we're dealing with a lot going on in our country we're dealing with a lot going on uh in our lives <laughs> we're dealing a lot going on in football so it's it's kind of a cluster of everything, and I, it's made for a unique situation. This is my sixth NFL season as an NFL beat writer. I know this is your first year covering the Eagles as a full-time beat writer. I know you've you've kind of dealt with a lot of college coverage of training camps and stuff. But what did you take away from this year's training camp, this summer, your first time covering the Eagles as a full-time beat writer? I think one of the biggest takeaways I saw was how many times the players were not in pads and not really – or just going out thud or just taking it easy. I mean, given the current situation for the Eagles, that may be a really good thing when it comes to injuries. But I think overall, I think the overall, I don't want to say intensity, but overall physicality of these training camps compared to what you see maybe in college where you have guys going all out every time, trying to impress coaches and trying to make it from fourth team to third team or fourth, fourth to second or that jump. I think the physicality has been – or lack thereof has been one of the biggest eye-opening things I've seen compared to the two. Well, and you know, that physicality hasn't really necessarily amounted to an injury-free training camp. Um, you know, it's almost become a sad joke on social media that really uh, the Eagles have been just hit with a mash unit of injuries. And, you know, as we look, look into them, uh, let's kind of go over what the latest is. So Avante Maddox, the number two starting corner, uh, is listed as day-to-day with a lower body injury. So is defensive tackle Hassan Ridgeway uh, with a lower body injury, also day-to-day. Um, those are two guys that shouldn't be worried about for week one. It's just, you know, another set of ailments. Um, then you look at, you know, Carson Wentz. From everything we've been told, they are not concerned about his injury status. They're kind of giving him a week four of the preseason-like treatment so they can get more looks at Nate Sudfeld and Jalen Hurts, but also let him kind of relax and kind of, you know, get ready for the season because he's going to have to carry this team for 16 weeks or longer. 
Um, Javon Hargrave has been out of practice pretty regularly, even though he hasn't really performed. Uh, he's still dealing with his pec injury. Miles Sanders has been out there with his lower body injury from everything we've been told about him. Not really concerned about week one, um, but, you know, there could be some rust that he needs to knock off uh, during the week. Uh, Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins, both rookie wide receivers, are dealing with their own upper body injuries. Rager is likely to miss one to two weeks. Uh, we covered that on our last podcast, or one to two weeks of the season. Um, and then Quez Watkins returned to practice earlier this week, then was sidelined again on Wednesday. I don't know really what's going on there. Maybe he's a candidate to be put on injured reserve. Save that roster spot. You give him, him kind of an injury redshirt year. Uh, and then, you know, where they're really banged up is a defensive end with Derek Barnett, Vinnie Curry, and Jannard Avery, who we really haven't seen much of at practice. I think that's kind of a concern, too. Um, you know, when we look at, like, where this Eagles team is, I just kind of wonder how prepared they will be from a, uh, from a depth standpoint. And I think that that segues into what we wanted to talk about throughout this podcast. This for those who are new listeners who ha- or haven't been listening to us since, you know, a few years ago when Zach and I used to do this or before that when Elliot and Zach or, or Matt and Elliot, you know, uh, this I, we've obviously had a lot of show hosts um, as guys have, have gone elsewhere in their career or gone to cover the Giants or whatever. But this is basically the show where we spend the entire show breaking down the 53-man roster and projecting the 53-man roster. Chris and I will kind of go back and forth with our thoughts. Um, You know, this is going to be a unique depth chart to put together because you have to weigh the coronavirus. You've got to weigh numbers for game day rosters, which have now grown to 48 from 46 to 48 players. You also have to take into account that you can bring up two guys from the practice squad every week. So there's a lot of maneuvering to go around. There's also the fact that injured reserve, if you make it past the cutdown deadline, you have unlimited spots where you can have guys come back after three weeks, which will be an asset for teams who are able to strategically use it to their advantage. Uh, So Chris, let's start with the quarterback position. Okay. Uh, That's your spot. Um, I think we're both in agreement that it goes Carson Wentz, Nate Sudfeld, and Jalen Hurts. But from your perspective after covering training camp, why do you think that's the right trio, the or, the right order for that trio? And why do you think uh, they're in a good spot or potentially a bad spot at the quarterback position? Well, the reason why I think they're I think they're actually in a good spot right now when it comes to the mix of experience that they have in that position. I think Wentz, obviously, he's your He's your starter. There's no doubt about that. I think the biggest thing that I was watching for, see, if Hertz would overtake Sudfeld to take over that number two spot, because Sudfeld has is signed for one year, and then after this, he's probably gone. But you want to see if maybe Hertz, who they spent a second round draft pick, would actually go ahead and overtake Sudfeld, because we've seen him in college when he's at Alabama and Oklahoma. We've seen what he can do athletically. Right now, Sudfeld definitely, I think, has the edge. I think he proved that during Sunday's uh, live scrimmage. Sudfeld, he seems poised in the pocket. He seems he knows the system. He's been around there for a number of years now, so he knows this offense. He knows what Doug wants to see. He knows where the ends and breaks, where receivers are spots are supposed to be. Hertz is getting there. No, don't get me wrong. Hertz has looked good in training camp at times. He's used, but priorities he's used his legs more. He's not. He, he's getting better at it, but it seems like his first he'll look at his first and second progression. And after that, 
he's just going to take off and use his legs for that one too. And you want to see a rookie truly go after his third, three or four options and then start to look before he uses his legs. And the one encouraging thing that I did see, especially on Sunday, was that he actually stepped up in the pocket and looked comfortable doing it. And what I mean by that is he was being a rush instead of just taking off when a defender was coming to at his face, he decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to say, cool, I'm going to let that tackle wash him down, go past him, step up in the pocket, and delivered a good 20-yard out to John Hightower. So I think there are some encouraging signs for that. But right now, say if in week one or week two, Carson Wentz were to go down and you still have all these pieces around this offense, I'd feel more comfortable with Sudfeld. He's a good – I think he's a good game manager with the potential and still has a good arm to throw deep. So if right, right now – Sudfeld, I think, will remain the two, and then Hertz will be a three. I think the biggest question is going to be how many times do we see Hertz dress on the 48 man? That's going to be the question, and maybe tip off. Maybe there are the rumors of a package specifically for him. I think that's going to be the key thing to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, we saw him really work his magic in the red zone. Obviously, he couldn't be hit because he was wearing a red jersey, but, you know, for, from the Eagles' perspective, creating more opportunities on offense, especially with Jalen Rager potentially out for two to three weeks of the season. It makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, you know that you can do some trick plays with, with, with Hertz. So I'm interested to see how they use him. So let's move over to running back. Um, I think the debate here isn't who leads the group or who really fills out the, the snaps, but more so who's going to be the are the Eagles going to keep four running backs, right? Like that, that's really the debate here. I know you're high on the the three young guys, but to me, if I'm looking at the field and I'm looking at the depth chart with all the injuries at wide receiver, if I'm looking at the potential of Alshon Jeffrey being available by week four, I'm not putting him on the pup list, um, you know, stuff like that. And then I look at the injuries on the offensive line and all the question marks on the offensive line. I'm not really prioritizing running back because I've been extremely impressed by Boston Scott and Corey Clement throughout the summer. What's your take on that? Do you think they should keep four guys over maybe a 10th offensive lineman or a seventh wide receiver or what have you? I actually, what I did, I actually had five going in prior to this week. I think I've more and more look at it as trying to shift around. I actually have five being Killens being one of the five guys because of his return ability. But like you mentioned, when it came to those injuries, it really started to impact looking at I still have four. The reason why I have Sanders, Scott, Holyfield, I think he's going to be good when it comes to his coverage, his, his kickoff coverage. I've seen him going down there and, and punt return coverage. I think he could be an asset in that one. And Clement. And the reason why I definitely think Clement now has a bigger role than what he did beforehand, he has the ability, he's done it before, being a kick uh, kickoff return specialist. And I think right now when you look at him and Ward, you're going to need those two guys to go ahead and – Fill, fill that role at this point. So I think, and Holyfield can actually, I think uh, and Clement can actually help when it comes to offense, running third one, fourth and one, stuff like that. So I think those guys, that's where it stands right now with this running back situation. So I'm going to go with three. Like I, I feel very good about the three guys that are there. I also think there are better running backs that are not on the current Eagles roster that they can look at on, on the waiver wire. We just saw Leonard Fournette uh, sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Maybe somebody drops off that roster. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, who I was a big fan of as a prospect, uh, he could be the odd man out, and he was just selected in the third round by the Buccaneers. So, you know, it's important to watch the waiver wire. I also think 
when you look at Elijah Holyfield, they could definitely get him through waivers. And I think he could be one of those guys that they bring up from the practice squad. So that's kind of like where I'm coming from. Like, I think in a normal year, you'd keep four running backs. But to me right now, I, I mean, I guess I guess the, the one argument against that is, you know, you don't know what Miles is going to be able to do coming off of missing basically three weeks of practice. So, um, yeah, I, I either way, I wouldn't kill them for keeping four. I wouldn't pat myself on the back if they kept three. I just I, I think like it, right now it'd be ideal if you could cut a guy in half and make him three and a half. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but the over under is three and a half. Right. So um, we move on to tight end. I think they're definitely keeping three. I think they learned from the debacle that was week two against Atlanta where Dallas Goddard got injured pregame and all they could do is use Zach Ertz. Um, you know, Goddard's dealing with a thumb injury, so you don't know how much he can really contribute on, a, on an every down basis. Uh, and, and the third guy to me, and has been the entire offseason, is undrafted rookie Noah Tongai, uh, who I think has a lot of athleticism. I think he's a guy that if in the future they decided to move on from Ertz, maybe he's the guy who fills... Ertz's role opposite Goddard. If they move on from Goddard, he's a guy who can develop into a nice little uh, well-rounded tight end. Um, he's a guy who's been making plays out there. Do you have anything to add on that? I think Tongai, if he can learn how to, to if he can learn how to wide out line up out wide, and you get down around on a goal line, and you wanted to go ahead and just try one to throw him up there, I think he can use that athletic ability, that big size he has. You know, being six four, two forty seven going up against a defensive back, I think he would be def- that would be a good thing for him. And I and I know this I feel really bad for Josh Perkins because I was actually looking forward to when he went to 13 personnel. I really think down around a goal line, when you have three tight ends who have the ability to catch the ball the way those three would have been able to, it would have been sick. Not to say that Togai can't do that, but just to have create that many matchup problems. And then on the other side have Jeffrey when he comes back or JJ Arcega White side. It, it just pr- presents so many problems, and I, it, it's just it's disappointing to see that Perkins is is out hurt. Yeah, I mean, to me, there like Perkins was actually having a pretty good camp before he got hurt uh, last year. He dropped pretty much everything in sight, and I was shocked he even was on the practice squad. Um, but you know, now he's on injured reserve. His season's over. Uh, he needed surgery, I believe. Um, so you know, he's a guy that you know, they'll move on without and, and figure it out from there. So uh, we move on to the wide receiver position, which to me is very intriguing. So I think, I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think we have all three rookies making it. So that'd be Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, and John Hightower, Deshaun Jackson, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and Greg Ward. So that's six guys right there. Are we in agreement on that? It definitely is. Okay, so then it comes down to do they keep seven guys active? Now, there are two options there. Do they think Alshon Jeffrey can contribute by week three, week four, week five, and they don't want to put him on, keep him on PUP, and then maybe miss out on his play action ability or his playmaking ability for a couple more weeks than they could have? Or do they keep Jeffrey on PUP and bring in Deontay Burnett, who has clearly earned it on the field. It's just kind of a matter of like the numbers game. And so to me, I think just based on reading the tea leaves, this is just a, an assumption. 
I don't think Alshon Jeffrey starting the season on the pop list. I think that he is trending in the right direction. I think they've dropped enough clues that it does kind of seem like maybe he could be ready by week four, week five. Um, and when you look at Rager's injury, and then you look at kind of the inexperience of Hightower and Quez Watkins, do you really want to put yourself in this position where you've got Greg Ward, who's inexperienced, you've got three rookies who were inexperienced. J.J. Single Whiteside had one of the worst rookie seasons a wide receiver's had in Philly in a very long time, and that's a pretty low bar to begin with. And then you have Deshaun Jackson, who who is an injury risk. So, like, do you put that out there and put that all on kind of Deontay Burnett filling out the depth chart as opposed to maybe having the opportunity, like in 2018, to bring Alshon off the pup list and and have him con- or have him contribute before this six week stretch. Now, some of you might ask, what if they just put him on IR after putting him on the main roster? They cannot do that. Once he's been on the pup list, he is not eligible for injured reserve. The only way he can go to injured reserve is if he's not taken off the pup list after they've given him time to to uh, they've given you get like a there's like a exemption period where you can practice. If they don't activate him. After that exemption time period's over, then he goes to IR. But they can't be slick with it. I thought I was really smart in coming up with that idea. I reached out to a couple of executives. They both turned me down on that one. So um, what? where do you stand on kind of like that seventh wide receiver? Do they keep a seventh wide receiver? Do they keep Jeffrey off? Do they take Jeffrey off Pup? Do they keep Burnett? Where are you at? I think they – see, I'd rather go ahead, especially when – I'd rather play it safe and keep him on Pup. Reason being is I'd rather have him healthy knowing that he's ready to go for the back end of that schedule when you're playing more NFC foes, when you're playing possibly for playoff position and when conference tiebreakers are going to come down to it. I think I probably would rest him a little bit more. And even when he comes back, it's going to be a tough decision. I think when it comes to seventh and when it comes to the seventh, even if they don't, even if Burnett is brought up for a little bit, I think when it comes back to those six that we, we both agreed on, do you keep John Hightower or Quest Watkins? I mean, right now, that's to me, that's a really, t- really, really, really tough decision. I mean, Hightower's been making circus catches left and right, but then you have the speed of Watkins as well, too, and he's a really intriguing matchup. And when you look at this list right now, you have, even when you have Rager or Deshaun Jackson, like we mentioned when it comes to Jackson's injuries history, you're going to need another speed guy to go ahead and alleviate some of that pressure from the safeties that, like, that may want to try to come up in the box to go ahead if you know you have a lot of these uh, slower receivers. Like, not saying that Jeffrey is a burner at all. I'm not saying our second white side is a burner because they they aren't, but they're more possession receivers. So you don't want to go ahead and box yourself in, so to speak, when it comes to that. So I think I would probably keep Jeffrey, as of right now, I would keep him on pup to, invari- to ensure that he's healthy so that way he's not going to re-aggravate anything or – make anything worse and then roll with what you have right now. Cause I still think you have enough weapons in other areas that can compensate for his absence. Then that way, when it's later in the season, you know, you have a healthy Jeffrey going against the teams like the Seahawks, the Packers, the saints, the Cardinals, the Cowboys and Washington. And that that's just, that's a tough ending right there possibly to go with. And I want to make sure that I have Jeffrey knowing that he's healthy going into that. Yeah. I think that's completely valid. I, I, I mean, I don't think that's what they'll do just because of past history, but I, I agree. I think, I don't think that that's a, 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 an, like, I think, I think you could make a very strong argument for that case. And you did, I, I think, you know, the last thing you want to do is put 
somebody like Jeffrey in a situation where he can get injured again. He's been injured basically every year. We always make a big deal out of Carson Wentz's, you know, injury history, but Alshon Jeffrey's missed a ton of games due to injury. So uh, over the last three years. So it's, it's interesting to see kind of um, where he's headed. Uh, The team seems to think that he is part of the game plan. Part of me wonders if they take him off pup just to shop him and maybe trade him. Um, they're, you know, saying all the right things, but so we move on to the offensive line and the offensive line is almost as intriguing as the wide receiver position, but not in the fun way that the wide receiver position is kind of set up. Like the wide receivers, the young wide receivers have all stepped up and kind of exceeded expectations on the offensive line. You've got two major injuries in Andre Dillard and Brandon Brooks. And then you've got, you know, I mean, (laughs) You've got the situation with Jason Peters where he apparently wants to be paid more to play left tackle. We talked about it a lot in our last podcast. Um, if he stays at right guard, Matt Pryor is not the answer at left tackle. He showed that in the scrimmage. I don't think he is really capable of being a long-term left tackle. Um, Jordan Melata certainly isn't the answer there. But I think both those guys will obviously be on the team. Um, I do wonder if they shop around for a potential left tackle or if just cooler heads prevail, the Eagles just guarantee Jason Peters incentives up to 6 million. And then he moves over to the left. You've got Matt Pryor at right guard. That's the ideal situation. Um, You also have Lane Johnson, who's dealing with a lower body injury that they say is day to day, but he's missed nine practices. So that's a little concerning, too. Uh, I mean, could you enter week one potentially with Matt Pryor at right tackle, Jason Peters moving back to left tackle and Nate Herbig at right guard? Not necessarily an ideal situation for the Eagles, but, um, you know, I think I speak for both of us with the nine guys that I think will definitely make the roster. So that's Pryor, Peters, Kelsey, Sam Alu, Lane Johnson, Jack Driscoll, Prince Tegawanagu, um, Nate Herbig and Jordan Melata, correct? I actually had one more. I had Jerigo. No, no, no. I know. Oh, I want to talk yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have them keeping six wide receivers, correct? Yep. Okay. I have them keeping seven. So you're going to use that extra spot. Well, I guess you use that extra spot for running back. But so I assume then that you with three, three quarterbacks, four running backs, that's seven plus three tight ends is 10 plus six wide receivers is 16. Uh, And then you're going to keep 10 offensive linemen. So you're going to, you're going to give an extra spot to the offense as opposed to the defense. Come on. I'm an offensive guy. (laughs) So who, who, yeah. And I see, I'm a defensive guy. Don't read into that too much, but so who's your 10th guy that you got? I have Jariga. I really do. Yeah. I I like that. that. I like, I think, I think when you look at the, he's playing center right now. And I think, is older and if we've seen so far this training camp when it comes to offensive line and you got a lot of these older guys you never know what's going to happen i think also that he needs to build that experience i think he may be somebody to look out for to be in a possible center in the future if he if it works out when if kelsey were to move on or retire or what have you because he, he's floated it a couple times but i think with the a size he has i think i've seen when i've seen him so far i've seen him on a couple quick screen pass he definitely has some ability to get out there in the flats, which is something that this team values, especially as, as, much, as much as they run the screen pass. So I think when you look at what Jariga brings in the middle of that offense, I think, and the injuries that you've had already along those lines, 
and the potential that you may have to start mixing matching some stuff if something were to happen. I think of all years, I think you have to have that extra spot on the offensive line just in case with everything that's going on, especially with this whole left tackle situation. You may have to start moving stuff around eventually. It's, cr- it's crazy just what's happening on that offensive line. Well, you know, and and to your defense on using that extra spot for an offensive lineman, Jariga does profile as like a bigger Jason Kelsey. They're similar athletes, only Jariga's a lot bigger. Um, I think what's going to be interesting is what they do in the waiver wire from an offensive line standpoint. Like this, this group does not have a lot of experience. You're, you, behind the starting line, you have a combined three snaps of regular season experience. Two guys are rookies. Uh, if you keep Jariga, that's three. And then Herbig's played three played three snaps during his rookie season. So, you know, and Melata's obviously never played a meaningful game in his career. So this is a group that needs experience. I would not be shocked if offensive line is a direct target for them on the waiver wire, which could and inevitably cost Jariga or Melata or maybe even Prince Teguanagu uh, a roster spot long term. Um, or short term, short term. We also have to consider this, that when you're elevating two guys from the practice squad, uh, you also have those extra two spots now on game day, but one of them has to be an offensive lineman. So teams are going to have three active offensive linemen at least uh, on game days, which is good, especially when you consider Jason Peters' potential injury history, Matt Pryor maybe not working out at left tackle, They'll have a few more options on game day than they would in previous years. So let's move over in the trenches to the defensive line. Um, right now, I have the guys that making it are, I've got 10 guys. Um, so I have Brandon Graham, uh, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Malik Jackson, Hassan Ridgeway, Vinnie Curry, Casey Tuhill and Joe Osman. Those are my 10 guys. Um, I have concerns because, as we mentioned earlier, Avery, Barnett, and Curry all have injuries. You need to be able to fill up that group. That's why I think you'll see Osman and um, uh, Tuhill be those guys. I think they've both outplayed Sharif Miller. Uh, where do you stand on the defensive line? I think I agree with you that I think Osman has outplayed Sharif Miller, but I have Miller making the roster. Only reason why I would say that. If I'm a gen- if I'm a general manager and I have to cut my fourth round draft pick that I made last year already compared to an undrafted free agent. Now I know they're going to say they want the best team they possibly could have on the roster. But I think especially given the capital they used as a fourth round draft pick on Miller, I think they'll give them one more year and try to sneak Osman onto the practice squad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Osman has, has done a really good job this training camp. Him and Tuhill, I think, on coming off that edge, I think looked have looked very, very well, especially for being low-round and undrafted, for a low-round, seventh-round draft pick and an undrafted free agent. But I think right now, if just looking at looking what they had to use in order to go ahead and get Miller as a fourth-round pick, I think they're going to go ahead and just give it one more – one more year because it'll be hard to justify a second year, two years into it. You go ahead and have to cut your fourth round draft pick. That's, that's why, that's why I have Miller on the roster right now. So my retort to that is I think 
okay, so he hasn't, he played one game last year. He never played on defense. He hasn't, he's only played in the preseason. He doesn't have any real negative tape out there. If you liked him as a fourth round pick, maybe other teams liked him as a sixth or, or a fifth or a sixth round pick. I'd shop him. I don't really think he's a great fit for the wide nine. I don't think he's the type of athlete that just can pin his ears back and go. I think he's more of a three, four defensive end, the way he's built, the way his athleticism kind of, his hips kind of align. Um, I would call Joe Douglas because Joe Douglas clearly had some input on that draft um, and they need some help up front uh, with the Jets. That's what I would do uh, if I were Howie Roseman. Um, Everyone thought that they overdrafted him in the fourth round. They probably could have gotten him in the fifth. Uh, I don't think he's looked particularly good this during training camp. Honestly, I barely noticed him which is kind of a bad thing when you're in the second year and you're a fourth round pick and you know, like it's a make or break summer for you. Uh, So that's my argument. Um, Then we look at linebacker and I think we're in agreement that they're going to keep five guys, correct? Yep. Yep. I have, yep. The five. That's why I have. So you're looking at Nate Gary, who's going to play the majority of the snaps You've got TJ Edwards, who's been rotating with Duke Riley, who will also make the team, who will also probably be the special teams captain. And then you've got the two rookies, Sean Bradley, the sixth-round pick, and Davian Taylor, the third-round pick. The concern I have is if you suffer an injury, especially with Nate Gary or TJ Edwards, you're going to have to pl- have play one of the two rookies who, in my opinion, while Sean Bradley has played well during training camp, I don't think that's a realistically positive option. Davian Taylor is not ready. He's essentially the Jordan Melata of of the defense is how I've kind of put it. Where, where are you at with that? And, and you're right, which is another thing that's concerning, especially you use a third-round pick. <laughs> he has your third-round pick right there on Taylor. But right I mean, now, we knew he was going to be a project. We knew. Yeah, you know. yeah definitely did. But I think right now, especially with how much they planned on playing nickel and dime defenses, and especially with – the athleticism that you have, even with an injury, I think you can even really roll with four. I think even with even in an injury, and being that guy, I think I don't. I feel comfortable enough with Gary, and I feel comfortable with Riley. The way he's performed so far in training camp, I think he. I think he may surprise some people. I mean, he's been able to go ahead. He's he's a rangy guy. He's got the speed. He's got that motor. I know it's one of those overused words. Right? He's got a great motor, but it's. It was actually made, I think, for guys like him. He, he continually goes ahead. He's diagnosing the the play a lot better as well, too. So I think I feel comfortable with Riley as well, too. Edwards, he he, he is what he is. He's a decent guy, but I think he is what he is for that one. And Bradley right now, I think he's making strides. But like as we heard, Jim uh, Jim, oh, Jim, Jim, Jim Schwartz excuse me, has said in the past that – Yeah, I, he, he was a great mm-hmm. one. But as we heard uh, what Jim Schwartz has said in the past – Linebacker is one of the posi- toughest positions to learn is defense. And no matter if it's Bradley or Taylor, which I would probably put Bradley ahead of him right a Taylor right now, it's going to be a, a a a tough go to go ahead and fill in right now. I mean, he's still he's only learned a one linebacking position right now, but he's going to have to learn all all three if they actually go like to a, a true four three. So it's going to be a really tough around here. But I think they can get. I think they can actually get by probably with four linebackers at this point. I think that's another spot uh, on the waiver wire that they'll kind of look at. I think Alex Singleton has played pretty well on defense and special teams. Um, I think he'll get through to the practice squad. I don't think they have to worry about him being claimed on waivers. He could be a guy that they elevate, you know, during the regular season. 
um, like they did last year. Uh, you know, I mean, they kept six linebackers th- throughout the last two weeks, so they clearly knew they were going to keep lower numbers. Uh, your guy, Dante Olsen, really didn't have a shot. But, <laughs> oh, um, we move on to the secondary, where I think they keep 10 defensive backs. Um, you probably think there's going to be nine, right? Just yep. because of the way your numbers... Okay. So my logic here is we brought up I, oh, I forgot to bring up Will Parks earlier on the show, um, but Will Parks will be out for four to six weeks, uh, reportedly, um, with a hamstring injury. That's not good, because when we talked about the linebacker group and you bring up the lower numbers, you know, he's going to play that big nickel role. He's going to play what they call quarter in, in dime packages, where as opposed to having four corners, the Eagles will use three corners and three safeties. And, you know, we talk about filling Malcolm Jenkins' shoes. Jalen Mills and Will Parks are really splitting that job. Will Parks is going to play more of the linebacker-ish role that that Jenkins played. Um, Mills is going to play more of a traditional strong safety. So with Parks out of the, out of the lineup, you, you've got low numbers at safety to begin with. Um, Kayvon Wallace is going to have to step up. Honestly, he wasn't that noticeable during camp. He had one pick. Uh, off Jalen Hurts, but really you haven't really noticed him a ton this summer. Um, that doesn't mean he can't play there, but it'll be interesting to see how much, you know, big safety they use, how much linebacker groupings they use. If they use more nickel two nickel linebackers, as opposed to using three safeties and nickel defense, what, what have you. Um, so with that said, I definitely think they keep 10 defensive backs, but I think that means keeping five, safeties and five cornerbacks so the cornerbacks that i have are darius slay avante maddox Mikel roby coleman Craven leblanc and rasul douglas uh the safeties i have are jalen mills rodney mcleod Kayvon wallace will parks and graylin arnold i think graylin arnold is probably the 53rd player on the roster if they don't keep a 10th offensive lineman Uh, I haven't noticed him a ton. I've seen him make some pretty nice plays in the run game. The reason why I'm keeping him is he's extremely versatile. He can play corner. He can play nickel. He can play safety. That's an advantage for them. That's why I'm keeping him over somebody like, say, Marcus Epps or or Rudy Ford. Um, And I think with Will Parks out of action, what will happen is after the initial cutdown, they'll place Parks on IR and then bring back either somebody like Marcus Epps or Rudy Ford, who they could probably get through waivers. Uh, Graylin Arnold had kind of a big name for an undrafted free agent, and I think he's a guy that maybe they want to protect long-term. Howie Roseman immediately gave him praise right after they signed him. That's not very typical for an undrafted free agent. So clearly, he's a guy that they might want to invest in. I didn't think he had a bad camp. It just wasn't as spectacular as you may think. Um, And so, yeah, so that's where I'm at. So who are your nine guys in the secondary? We actually, you said all nine of them. I liked it too. Uh, at corner, I have Slay and Maddox. I have Nikel Roby Coleman, and I also have Russell Douglas. I think that he makes it. And notice that one name we did not say combined. Uh, we either one, Sydney Jones, LeBlanc. Oh, yes. oh. Do you have LeBlanc too? Nope, I don't have. He he was my he was the extra guy I was thinking about. I I, I have him going. I I don't have. I think with Graylin Arnold, I think he goes ahead, like you said, with his versatility with a safety and cornerback. I think that's going to be key, especially in this positionless defense that they, uh, the defensive backfield that they want to have. I think somebody like Arnold, I think, would definitely be 
able to, to fill both roles. And ad, as the more and more experience he has, I think he's going to be adequate in that position. That's so, why so to be clear, oh, sorry, not to cut you off, but sorry. so to be clear, we have the same grouping minus Craven LeBlanc for you, correct? Exactly, correct, correct. Okay, and so let's get back into Sidney Jones, right? Um, from my perspective, he's the, the guy with the most tradable name on the roster. I don't know if you can get anything for him, but I would assume you could get a conditional pick for him. He's going to be a restricted free agent after this year um, due to being on the pup list as a rookie. So there's that out of incentive there where maybe you have two years with him um, and you can give him an original round tender and not have to pay the second round price. So from a restricted standpoint, so, I do think there's appeal there. Um, you know, if they can get a seventh round pick for him as opposed to cutting him, I think they feel good about it. I think if they can't trade him, they're not going to cut him. Um, Rasul Douglas, I'd be shopping too. I don't think he necessarily fits the positional secondary. Um, if I can get value for one of those guys, I feel good. Um, and how he's typically pretty good about that. Uh, you know, Carolina has been looking for secondary help. I wonder if they'd be willing to trade somebody like Dennis Daly who was a six-round pick last year but started eight games at left tackle, maybe give you some experience to be a swing tackle for um, Sidney Jones. But where are you at with him? Would you cut him outright? I would first try to shop him with a team that's about ready to cut cut somebody else. And I'm, I'm just trying to look everybody out there, and I'm, sit, I'm just, and that's the tough part, trying to see who's going to be out there available on that same Saturday. I'd go ahead, if I'm Howie right now, I'm probably on the phone right before cut down day and seeing like, Hey, I wouldn't flat out tell him, Hey, we're about to cut him, but just to go ahead and say, Hey, you know what? What do you think about Sidney Jones? And if somebody else has a player, they think they're like, they're about to release and they want to guarantee and not have to go through that waiver fight. I'm talking to them, talking to that team right now, trying to see if I can get something from, because and with his, I think with his injury history, and I think a lot of people know what Jones's situation here is in Philadelphia like you said, you'll be lucky to get a late round, a late, a third day pick for him, a late third day pick for him. But I think, especially if if you want to dangle that out there, especially for a team who really, really wants him to try it out, see if a change of scenery is going to be good. I'd go ahead and call the Eagles right now, or if I'm the Eagles, I'm calling somebody else and see if they have maybe a more veteran offensive lineman. Maybe they got they're looking for somebody else, and like you said, like a linebacker too, to go ahead and just make that trade outright that way because I think it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to justify keeping him on that roster, and if they can fill another need by by putting him on, putting him out there available, I, I definitely see if it's it's possible. Yeah, and to me, I'm not. I don't want a draft pick for Sidney Jones, and here's my logic on that. Um, like, I would take it for somebody like Anthony Rush or for Rasul Douglas, but the issue here is they need help now. And, you know, their playoff window might be shrinking, especially when you consider their cap space issues next year. They'll be fine. They're, it's Howie Roseman and Jake Rosenberg. Like, they know what they're doing. But they still might not be players in free agency next year. So if you can trade for a guy who's in the third year of his rookie deal and you have him for another year on the cheap, like, you feel good about that. Like, I think bringing in another draft pick who you could potentially cut, especially if they're a seventh-round pick, like, we didn't know Casey Tuhill was going to make the team until he ex- greatly exceeded the expectations of the writers and probably the team, really. They probably looked at him as a long-term project, but he was killing it uh, the last two weeks. So um, that's where I kind of stand. Um, so 
closing out, let's talk about three guys that we didn't have on the depth chart that we think are kind of like squarely on the bubble and you wouldn't be surprised to see make the roster. So I'll give you time to think about that. I'm going to give you my three. Uh, Craig James. He's a guy who I think has had a decent camp. Uh, He's played all three cornerback spots. He's a special teams ace. I would not be shocked if they can trade Sidney Jones if they outright cut Rasul Douglas for Craig James. That would not shock me. I know Dave Phipp likes him. I know he's liked by Jim Schwartz. Uh, You know, the the coaching staff has never really shown a lot of affection for Rasul Douglas, so I I think maybe it'd be time for him to kind of move on. He's also on a much smaller deal than he initially had. He restructured it as we reported it earlier this summer. Um, Another guy who I think has a shot is Sua Opeta. Uh, I think he's gotten some really good reps at left guard. They really liked him last year as an undrafted free agent. He's got, he had kind of a buzzworthy name. Um, I would not be shocked to see him claimed off waivers if they do indeed cut him. And then I guess my third guy uh, would probably be Elijah Riley, who I think is low key had a pretty good camp. Uh, I don't think he's going to make the roster, but if they can get him through waivers, I think he's a great story. Um, You know, I think he's a guy that could long-term develop into a contributor on special teams. And maybe uh, he's one of those kind of tweener guys. He's he's got a body type that I could see transitioning well, actually to linebacker with the way they like things. So um, he's an undrafted free agent that kind of caught my eye. Who are three guys that you think, probably won't make the roster, but maybe either should, or they've done enough where you think if they can get them to waivers, you feel real, uh, get them through waivers. And on the practice squad, you feel pretty good about their chances of maybe seeing some playing time this year or beyond. I think I, we I spoke a little bit earlier when it came to uh Killens. I really think that the fact that Doug Peterson took a lot, uh, took a significant time during his press conference to talk about his versatility and what he could bring to this team when it comes to at the running back position and at the wide receiver position, him learning to go ahead and work the slot area. I think he's somebody who I really truly believe if he, if they somehow threw a a fifth guy on there or keep kept him as there or snuck him on the roster somehow, I think he's a guy. I wouldn't be surprised when it came to that. Another guy, I, you say Sue Opeta, I'll raise you that and say Julian good, good Jones. I think I've had a lot, spent a lot of time looking at this offensive line especially with the injuries that's happened around there. And this guy, he's a road grader when it comes to the running, when it comes to run blocking, he does, he does a really good job. He has a good base. He, he's active with his hands. He's able to push guys out the middle. I thought when I looked at him, I thought he did a great job and his pass blocking has steadily improved over time throughout camp. So if he made the roster, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And the other one was Joe Osman. I mean, and this could be a product of what that offensive line currently is right now. Osman, one thing I really like when it comes to him is in, in the wide night is if you can two things. One, if you have that so-called bend to get around the right, the left or right tackle and when you do that rush, I think he has that. But also one thing I, I really like that he does, he gets under the offensive lineman's pads. And he did that with uh, as a basically as a thing when he did a bull rush as well too. He's he has the ability to duck under the arms of those offensive the tackles trying to reach out to pass block and go ahead and basically control them either pushing pushing them back or setting them up to go inside to go for another rush as well too. I think he has he has a good ability to go ahead and make this roster. So if he if any of those three players found a way to make it, I would not be surprised one bit. I really would. 
And then let's let's talk about like the two guys. You know, we don't want to pile on here, but who are the two guys that you kind of came into camp that you thought were going to be something and kind of weren't? Um, my two guys would be Mike Warren, who got a ton of buzz in the draft community, um, but looked like he was running with like three ton boulders in his shoes. Uh, you know, it was kind of disappointing. He it was very clear that Holyfield and Killens were ahead of him during camp. Um, which was unfortunate because um, I, I think he is a guy who's got a pretty good pedigree. Maybe he makes the practice squad and eventually gets some playing time. Uh, look, people weren't high on Boston Scott when he came here. So, you know, maybe there's something that kind of happens down the road. I actually saw Boston Scott coach him up quite a bit. Um, and then the other guy is Anthony Rush, who I brought up, I think, earlier. Uh, had a pretty decent rookie year as a rotational run stopper. I just didn't notice him at all this off season. So um, those would be my two guys. Who are yours? I mean, Warren, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Warren. I mean, watching him when he was at Cincinnati, being part of that, the Luke Fickle offense, and then also I believe it was Tommy Tuberville before then. When you saw him running, he ran angry. He ran with power. And it was he was a tough to bring down when it came to AAC defenses and everybody else. He was tough to bring down. And I looked about it. I will say his hands were a lot better, but he – he catches the ball a little awkward for me too. Like he catches the ball a little awkward and he's not running with that same power. Granted, it's, it's a big step up from the AAC to the NFL. But when you look at when he's running with that power, he's not finishing the runs. He's not punishing the tacklers when he's trying to go ahead and make him do that. I thought he was going to be the guy who was going to be your short down back to go ahead and do that. But I, I expected more. The other guy is Kayvon Wallace. I mean, I know he's a rookie. He's going to stick around for a while, but I really thought he came from that Clemson safety tree of, hey, you know what? I mean, Brian Dawkins talked him up. I thought he was going to, we're going to see around to see this guy who was going to be flying around the field, basically making this question, should he be in a starting lineup or should he see a significant time in the big nickel or something else like that? And right now, like, and Schwartz said this also too, safety is the other one that's tough to learn. So I wonder, he's a rookie and I won't get, hammer him too much or anything like that but i thought he was one guy i was really high on seeing how he would fit into this defense and it just hasn't i just have, haven't seen it so far when it comes to him well it's been quite a long podcast we've gotten a lot of information in your face make sure you sign up for eagles extra you'll get all the information on who's getting cut as it happens or possibly before we'll give you some exclusive analysis just sign up for eagles extra it's in all of our articles in the link. It'll be linked into this podcast post as well. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter. Um, we'll have a plethora of information there. Um, look, it's going to be an interesting cut down weekend. We'll probably have an extra podcast next week to break down all the cuts. You know, for Chris, I'm Mike. Thanks for joining us on the No Huddle Show podcast. <laughs> <laughs>